What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the new, almost redone podcast. You know, I'm starting to get a little more serious about it, getting longer episodes out, getting more quality episodes out. So, hope you guys are enjoying all the episodes, keeping up with the episodes. I know some things that I've heard were that um, a lot of people had trouble getting to all the episodes since it was three times a week. So I'm changing it every Friday. Every Friday is going to be a new episode. You got all week to watch it, all week to listen. So I hope that helps everybody. And it's just going to give me more time, you know, to make better quality videos, reach out to more people and make better quality intro, outro, all that type of stuff. So it's going to help me and help you guys. So I appreciate what you guys have been supporting me so far. And this episode's great. Um, his name is Diamond Hall. It's spelled a little weird, but his name is Diamond Hall, like he says in the first part. Um, he is a baseball mental coach. He's really, really, really smart. Um, he knows a lot of the, a lot of the basics, and he knows a lot of the high, like degree um, mental training things that you can do. And he tells us stuff that you have to pay for to hear this stuff. So. Make sure you listen this through, especially young guys, especially guys going to high school. So, hope you guys enjoy this episode number 16. Alright, so go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Diamond Hall. And when you you look at my name, it's spelled like D-I-A-M-Y-N, but just think of it as diamond without the O-N-D at the end. So it's Diamond Hall. And I began my coaching career when it comes to the mental side of the game at Rice State in about 2017. And there, what I did was I specialized in the training and tracking of the mental side of hitching, hitting, mental side of pitching. And then um, it was also a cool opportunity because I became the first mental game development coordinator slash peak performance director um, in, in college baseball history. So it was an amazing time. And then I guess over the past four or five years, man, I've been able to have the opportunity to build a following on social media, over 50,000 baseball players and coaches. And I kind of feel like I've helped popularize and move people in the right direction as far as the mental side of the game goes. Yeah, that's big. Um, so actually that puts us perfect into the next uh, question I have to start off. What, why do you think the mental side is so important to baseball? Well, I mean, dude, as a baseball player, I mean, you know this, like everything mm-hmm. that, that we do as baseball players starts inside of our mind. And yep. one thing that's always been overlooked over the past hundred years in the game of baseball has always been the middle side of the game. But you go back and you like study some of the greats and you'll find like these all these interesting conversations like Ted Williams would have on the on the on the bus with some of his teammates and they talk about like different things that had to do with the mental side of the game. And then you hear like some of the best players who have, who've ever played, they're continuously talking about these things too, even the guys who've retired. And then especially the guys who are still playing right now. So I think when you look at that, when you look at that as from a holistic standpoint, and then you think about right now, it's still on the back burner, man. Like we've still got to make sure we're pushing this movement forward and getting everybody bought into the mental side of the game. Yeah, I know. It's uh, I've talked to many people on here already. Uh, baseball players, former baseball players, even I talked, uh, my first episode was with a kid that is in college right now. And they all, one of the most important things they mentioned is the mental side. And that's, that's the great thing about this podcast. And the great thing about having you on here is just to express to the kids that are listening. And I know it's a bunch of younger kids that are listening to this. And then also kids my age that even though you might think that I'm running this podcast, I shouldn't be listening to the kid that's the same age or even older kids thinking that, oh, I'm not going to listen to a kid that is younger than me. Well, they don't understand of the people that I'm bringing on here that are doing the talking and they're figuring out uh, like kids. I've talked, I've been talking to kids and they're just, they're learning so much from the podcast. So it's, mm. it's important. It's important to know the mental side. So. Yeah, and kudos to you for everything you've been doing, man. I mean, how old are you again? I'm 14. You're 14 years old, and you're bringing bringing experts onto your podcast. Not only do you get to learn, but then you get to share this awesome information with everyone who listens. So, kudos to you, man. Keep doing it. You're way out of the game. Yeah, it's it's important to me. I like, and the biggest thing is like, 
I like, I like almost like I really want it. There's a problem with it is like I want to be a coach, like mm. really bad, because I've been doing these training and clinics and things for so yeah. long that I I feel like I know I don't know all the drills, but I feel like I know a lot of you drills. do. So at this point, I want to be a coach, but nobody's gonna be nobody's gonna do something with a 14 year old. So this is the closest to coaching. I can get exactly. It, so. And 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 think of think of it this way. This is like the beginning of your career, like of your coaching career. Like right now you're having conversations with people who are, you know, you jump on these podcasts and you're getting the top level information. And when you think about it, what you just said, like one of the things that I've learned as, you know, as I've matured and as I've gotten older is that for the rest of my life, I'm going to be a lifelong learner and a lifelong teacher, a lifelong giver. And so whether that includes coaching, whether that includes teaching, whether that includes uh, facilitating an event, whether that includes going to speak, do a keynote somewhere, like we're always going to be in this realm of learning and teaching and it's never going to stop. So the fact that you like that your goal is to become a coach, I can I can share with you that man, what you're doing right now is going to set you up for success when you do actually become a coach. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Well, obviously, like, my whole goal is the MLB or right mm. now it's college baseball. Oh, yeah. But um if the if that ever doesn't work which um we all hope to get to the bigs but oh, we yeah. all know it's also one in a couple thousand making mm-hmm. to the league so you have to have something else and this is what I want to do I want to do something that involves myself with baseball and I've tried about everything so mm. and this is what I'm enjoying the most so far is like podcasts, teaching, learning, all that stuff. So I enjoy it. Awesome, man. Keep going. Yeah. So um, that was a good first question to start off and explain what you do. So now we're um, now we're gonna go into a question that I actually when I get old, when I got older. So around last year, I started implementing this. Is like when I was younger, I just after the game, I'd go. I'd forget about the game. I wouldn't even think about the game that I just played. And mm. I'd just go play the game, do whatever. Um But now but now I um really think about what happened to that game and what I can do better, what I can do what I can fix, what I can like what I did good in. How important is that like what is the most important thing to take out of a baseball game when you're done? Man, so there are a few things like whenever you whenever you get the hitters black book and for those of you who are listening, like one of the main things that we focus on, because this is one of the main issues, man, this is one of the main struggles is like after the game, like not only do you forget what like what happened, but then it's like this this other problem and this other challenge that says, hey, man, what do I even focus on after every single game? And then there's this other challenge that says if, if you're not currently journaling right now, then it's like. When you want to look back on your best games, you won't even know what you were actually doing because there's no system there to actually document it, right? And so to answer your question, the most important thing to focus on um, within your post-game process is a few things. Inside of the Hitter's Black Book, we talk about owning your outcomes. At, after every single game, you spend five to 10 minutes in reflection mode, okay? When you spend when you spend five to 10 minutes in reflection mode, but not just a regular reflection mode, but a strategical reflection mode where you're looking at specific things to pull from what you did well and what you didn't do well during the game, it sets you up for success at an incredibly high level. So one of the key things that we focus on is taking success notes like, okay, what allowed me to be successful at the plate today? If I went four for four, let me go back and let me think about each one of these at bats. During my first at bat, what was I focusing on? Was I focused on focusing on being calm, loose, and relaxed? Was I just focusing on seeing the baseball? Like, was I focusing on A, B, or like so? So it's just a matter of being able to pull strategically the things that allowed you to perform at your highest level. And then let's say you have a bad game. It allows you to focus on the on the things that you actually didn't do well and face the facts and then come up with a plan so that you don't have to experience a slump for two or three or four or five or six games. Because let me have you consider, I'll have you consider that when you, when you write things down after every single game, not just writing anything down, not just like logging 
just to log, but I'm talking about a strategic system where you're writing down the main things that matter that you can actually measure and go back to, it's going to set you up for massive momentum. And then it's going to decrease the time that you experience slumps. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it makes, that makes a lot of sense. That's, Does that make well, sense I'm, to you, Brian? Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things like that I started doing last year is I didn't have the book or I'm getting, I'm going to get one of there's many books out there, but I'm going to look into everyone and figure out which one I, I like and which one has the most, uh, things offered and, uh, what's the best one. So, but last year, what I did is that my dad goes to every game. He watches everything I do. He films most of the stuff I do just so I'm, mm. I can look back and see everything. But what I do is I just, I start off in the, I get in the car he goes, good game, bad game, whatever he has to say. And then my turn to talk. I talk for the whole car ride. The whole car ride is just me going mm. from inning to inning, play to play, even even figuring out what my teammates did so the next practice I can go tell them what they did, and then we fix that, and now we're a better overall team instead of just mm. – I mean, folks, say, obviously I f- try to figure out yes. what I'm doing wrong, but I'm, I'm a catcher, so my thing uh. is – so you're a natural of, leader. Yeah, I have to figure out what um what went wrong, like throwdowns, like uh pickoffs, because I call pickoffs and well on my team. Um yeah. like throw like I was saying, throwdowns, like why did I overthrow it? Did he get in front of the bag? Did he get behind the bag? Like what what happened there? And just little things like that and then especially with pit, the pitchers, I try to figure out exactly like if they had a bad game. I have to figure out what it was if it was me not setting up, me not mixing it up enough, or exactly. if it was just them having a bad day. So I like to talk about that with my dad it, after the thing. So And dude, that's awesome because you having the ability to talk it out with your dad, that allows you to like ingrain it into your mind what went well or what what didn't go well. Yeah, I agree. That's that's what I was saying. Like and then with the book this year, it's gonna be a lot bigger. I think. Oh yeah. Notice it a lot more. So. And then, and then with the post game process, man, when you think about it, like what we're talking about is building awareness. We're talking about building awareness after every single game, not just awareness on what went well, but also the things that maybe you struggle with and can improve on. And if you want to write this down or for anyone who wants to write this down, who's listening to this, there's this three-step framework that I've found that actually works incredibly well for allowing you to make, um, Super adjustments, I like to call them, after every single game. Number one is building that awareness. So awareness is number one. Self-awareness is number, number one. Number two, and these all tie in together, your awareness activates your ability. Okay? Mm-hmm. So when you activate your awareness, now you activate your ability. That's number two. And you're probably thinking, Diamond, activate your ability to what? Activate your ability to make adjustments. Number three is adjust because in the game of baseball, all we're doing is continuously adjusting based on what works and what doesn't work. So first, in order to do that, we have to be aware. When we're aware, we activate our ability to make adjustments, not just regular adjustments, but strategical adjustments that will set us up for success. Our next practice, our next game, our next conversation with the pitcher, who we're going to have a conversation, who we're going to have a conversation, our, our 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 first baseman, or if we're talking about things around the mental side of the game with hitting, we're going to set ourselves up for success to succeed during the very first at bat during that next game. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. That's one of uh, it's really important for any person that's trying to even play like high school ball, like I'm yep. trying to do this year. It's just, yep. it's an important part of the game and people overlook it. It's not just about hitting, fielding, catching the ball, lifting weights. It's a lot more than that. And yep. this listening, I listen to podcasts. I do my own podcast. I talk to these people like you, like former people that have played in the bigs that have made it where I want to be already. Mm. So it's, it's, it's important. And I think more and more kids are starting to realize and i i've seen a couple kids even my age now um doing podcasts 
So it's it's good. It's good. I listen to theirs. They listen to mine. We're both learning the same thing. Yeah. So, um. So the next one, next question. We're doing very very good. We're answering some good questions that I had. So now we actually met. You mentioned it. So let's go over exactly what it is. What is the hitter's black book? The hitter's black book is the world's number one system for hitters, for the modern hitter in today's world, in today's game of baseball, to master the in-season blueprint to the mental side of hitting. You know, whenever I look at mental conditioning or how it's typically taught, especially in the game of baseball, even at the professional level, I have a lot of a lot of great friends there. And at the college level, I used to I used to work inside of that game. And then I've also worked with professional guys who've shared with me kind of the inside information on how things are run. And the one thing that's always missing is what do I do and how do I focus on the mental side of the game during a season? Like, am I supposed to not focus on it? Am I supposed to just let everything take care of itself? Am I supposed to um, just, just allow everything that I've worked that I've worked on in the off season to just roll into the regular season. And I'll have you consider that when you as a hitter, for those of you who are listening, who are hitters as well, when you as a hitter commit to mastering the in season piece of the mental side of hitting, that is when you will become the most consistent version. the most confident consistency are first commit to mastering the in-season side of the mental side of hitting yeah and so that's what the hitter's black book is ultimate it's a it's a guide for you to for you to use during the season so that you can you can lessen the amount of slumps that you go through and you can expand the amount of streaks where you're hot as a hitter by, and I know people are wondering right now, like, well, Diamond, how, how in the world can a hitter's black book help you do that? And I'll tell you how. It's by focusing on the things that actually matter the most within the mental side of hitting. And for me, I've had the opportunity over these past over these past 10 years, past decade, to study so many different greats. Even Dr. Tom Hansen, who wrote the foreword to the Hitter's Black Book, he wrote a book when I was, I think it was before I was born. He wrote a book with Dr. Ken Revisa um, called Heads Up Baseball. And then he also has a book called Heads Up Baseball 2.0. And he wrote the foreword to the Hitter's Black Book. But even inside of the Hitter's Black Book, the foreword that he writes, he shares with you like, hey, the things that are inside of the hitter's black book, if you follow these things, you'll become the best version of yourself that you can possibly be on the field. Yeah, it, it, I was looking into it and I've seen nothing but great reviews and it seems like it's working for many people. So everybody make sure just go look at that. It's on, um, what is it? What's the, do you have a website for it? Yeah, it's thehittersblackbook.com. All right. com. Yeah, so everybody check that out, younger guys. Even even if you're still in Little League right now, grab it for that season. It's not just – you don't have to use it just in high school. You don't have to use it just in college. It's for anybody. So grab that up, take some notes down, become the best version of yourself, like he said. So this is a big one, and I, I really like this question that I have, and I know what your answer is going to be. Ooh. Is it, is it okay for someone playing sports to make mistakes? 1,000%. You knew I was going to say that. <laughs> Here's the thing. As competitors, natural competitors, we don't like to make mistakes. But once you, as a competitor, reframe the idea around mistakes and what they mean, then they become the greatest advantage that you've ever had in your career. Your mistakes are learning opportunities. When you make a mistake, it shows you and it exposes you to where you are and what you need to work on. The problem that most baseball players face is that when they make a mistake, they immediately head down, slump the shoulders, 
Even some professional guys, you see them doing this. Slump the shoulders, go back in the dugout, get pissed. Maybe throw a helmet, maybe throw a bat, maybe slam a few things. But I'll have you consider that the best of the best, when they make a mistake, no matter how big, they use it as an opportunity to learn, to grow, to document the lessons that they got, and then to give those lessons to their teammates as leaders so that they don't have to make those same mistakes. So, for, so when I think about mistakes and when I think about failure, I like to say that failure is feedback because it truly is. Failure is real feedback. The obstacles that we face are opportunities. Is this making sense to you right now? Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's almost what it's what I would say just a, a lot more like in detail. So that's why I have you on here. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I agree 100%. It's like, and like you were saying, some sometimes you see these bigger guys react in ways where they're smashing stuff, they're throwing stuff. And even even that when they make a mistake, they go and do that. But then they re realize that that was their mistake. So not not only are they looking back at that play or that pitch or that swing, now they're looking back at how they reacted and how they have to change that reaction if that happens again. So like I think that's most important important part. You grow as a person when that type of stuff happens. So yes, and I'll give you some insider secret um, secret information that I haven't shared with too many people. Some of the people who who I consult with and like break down the whole mental conditioning curriculum for either their, their, um, their athletic department or their, their college team or their professional team. Whenever I consult with them, I share this, what I'm about to share with you right now. And it's this, when I was at Wright state, one of the key things that we did inside of the mental conditioning realm for our baseball players was we got them on video. We got their at bats on video. We got their uh, pitching sequences on video. But the key thing that I said, when I first went and I said, Hey, Let's make sure we're getting the time in between pitches. Let's make sure we're getting them when they go to the dugout after they strike out. Let's make sure we get them after they hit a home run. Let's make sure we get them after, after they throw, after they strike a guy out, or maybe after they get a home run hit off of them. Or maybe when they make an error, let's get those moments so that we can go back to those and then point out the body language that was taking place, the thoughts that were taking place, and then be able to develop this thing I like to call bounce back ability your ability to bounce back from mistakes and then that was also tied and linked to by the way this is like two three thousand dollar information that i'm sharing with you right now so the the next thing that that was linked to was the bounce back speed like we would count and i would bring guys in the room some of the guys who got drafted with the twins some guys some guys got drafted with the uh, drafted to the Marlins are still playing and competing right now. I would literally bring these guys in the video room as the mental conditioning coach, as the mental conditioning coordinator, as the director of peak performance. And I would point out to them, okay, right here, after you made this error in the field, how long did it take you to get back to being confident in your body language, being confident in your thoughts? Was it five seconds? Was it three seconds? Was it 10 seconds? Was it 15 seconds? Okay, let's look at the hitters. Bring those guys in the office. Bring those guys in the video lab. How long did it take you after you got back in the dugout, after you struck out, and after you were frustrated to bounce back and get to a place where you were confident again, your body language was, was stable again, your thoughts were back in, a positive, uh, back in a positive realm again, and you were thinking about the lessons in problem solving and coming up with solutions the next time so some guys it was like three or four seconds other guys it was like five or six some guys it take them like when i first got there it took them like 30 40 seconds some guys it even took like two or three minutes some guys it took like their very next at bat but what we noticed as we tracked this throughout the course of the year was that towards the end of the year our guys were somewhere in between the three second range after they made a mistake whether it be at the plate on the mound or in the field they were in the three second range to the 20 second range. How's that for bounce back ability? How's that for bounce back speed? That's, that sounds pretty good. Uh, <laughs> at three, three seconds, it's literally the next pitch. So, yep. And when you watch guys like Mike Trout, when you watch yep. guys like uh, Derek Jeter, 
right? You watch some of the most composed guys who are always the most consistent. Yeah. This is what they are really, really good at doing. Whether they know it and have never worked on it, or they do know it and they are working on it with their mental conditioning coaches inside of their organization. This is what the best of the best do. They have bounce back ability and their bounce back speed is very, very minimum. It's very, very minimal. Yeah. I last year was one of the biggest years I had to really focus on that because like I was saying, being a catcher is just, so important oh, yeah. to have that. So oh, yes, when things don't go my way, I had a problem in the beginning of the season where I would just, I wouldn't like, I'd go to the next pitch, but then it would affect something else and I'd throw the ball away or I'd overthrow the second baseman. And it was just, I had to fix that. And by the end of the season, the coach has put it in me to just relax when that stuff happens and go to the next pitch and then we'll talk about it when we get back that by the end of the season I was good I didn't react in any ways I was I was fine fine with any mistakes that I made and I talked to the coach at the end and it was it was one of the mm. best things that happened during that season so and, and that's especially, huge, man. especially going in high school now you can't do that stuff in high school so yeah and I'll tell you like as you as you grow and as you mature what scouts will be looking for. And I remember getting scouted um, from professional teams and even from college teams, what they looked for whenever they would send me a questionnaire, um, they would look for like what your mental, what's your mental game look like? Like, can this guy handle failure? Because if we draft this guy, if we draft, if we draft Brian, will he be able to be in front of 5,000, 5,000 people make a mistake and still be able to have that bounce back ability and bounce back speed. So the fact that you're practicing this right now, you are so freaking far ahead of the game, man. You have no idea. And then another thing as well uh, that ties into this is the in-game process inside of the hitter's black book. This is one of the things that we also focus on. So after every single at-bat, not, not from like a logging or the pitch sequence that you got, but strictly from a mental, mental conditioning standpoint and a mental skill standpoint, we look at why were you successful during that at-bat? Were you focusing on having a quality at-bat? Were you calm, loose, and relaxed? How well did you see the baseball on the scale of one to 10? What was your number one focus when you went up to the plate? And so it allows you to make these adjustments from pitch to pitch, from at bat to at bat that you wouldn't otherwise be able to make if you were just using like a general, a general mental log. Yeah, I, I agree. It's what baseball, like you're saying, it's that log, log seems like you kind of just, you kind of want to be focused, especially in, the year, like the years that I'm in now, where I'm entering freshman, freshman season tryouts are around the corner, things like that. You want to be able to track that stuff, and and the best thing about that type of like the like you were saying the black book is that you see progress, and I think progress, pro, especially for me, once I see progress, that's the biggest motivation that I have. Mm. So that's. I think I think for anybody, if you see progress, you should be happy or motivated. So I think that right there will help a lot with a lot of people. So, how good does it feel when you see progress? It's I mean it's and anything like even from this well last year was my first year with thirty three, with a thirty three drop three bat, and my dad implemented it and he told me, this is the size I needed. He's done the research. He's looked at what I need. And this is the size that I'm recommending this on like various amount of sites. So I was like, okay, I'll use it, whatever. And I didn't, I felt like it was too big. And I felt like it was too heavy for me. I couldn't get around. But then eventually I kept, I kept using it, using it, using it. And now going into the season, I'm still using a 33, drop three. Beautiful. And now I'm swinging the bat with no problem, so it's, it's good. It's good when you start seeing that type type of stuff. And then, like I see people that I just when you work out, you get you see that see results when you when you're pitching pitching as I pitch too. Even when I catch, I pitch. Mm. So when I'm pitching, I went from like 
I think from like sixties all the way up to like or uh low seventies. So it's like it's a good thing when you see those types of results, I think, and it really it should motivate anybody. If you see results and aren't happy and aren't motivated, uh, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> Man, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more there, Brian. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's just so important. So, well, it really is. Um, we're going to the next one. And this one, this one is a really, really good question because I think some people don't understand really how this how much the mental side affects baseball. But like the question is, what advantages do you have if you understand the mental side of baseball? You have an advantage over not only your peers, not only your competitors in your local area, but you have an advantage over all of your peers and your competitors around the world. Like people are still just now finding out about the hitter's black book. People are still just now finding out about the mental side of the game in general and why it's important. There are some people actually still out there who are like, ah, I don't feel like the mental side of the game is important enough to actually invest in it yet. Like I invest in my physical training. Now there are some who do, like I've got professional players, um, you know, who pay me thousands of dollars a month. I've got college guys who pay me thousands of dollars a month just to focus on the mental side of hitting so that they can become the best versions of themselves, along with along with a lot of high level, uh, high level high school guys. But I share that to share, not to brag, but to show you that this actually works and that the key is actually just going all in with it and committing to it with everything that you are and, and everything that you have. Because when you can actually like for example, as a 14-year-old, the fact that you're having this conversation with me right now around the mental side of the game, you've got to understand that there are some guys who get drafted and then they first have a conversation. They, they have their first conversation around the mental side of hitting and why it's important. Yeah. And I've had a lot of guys reach out to me like, Diamond, like I'm hitting a slump right now. Like I'm in double A. I'm hitting a slump right now. I don't know what to do. Our mental conditioning coaches are putting things on the table, but they're not really resonating. They're kind of the general stuff, but they're not specific with actual, with actually the mental side of hitting. I've read tons of books. I've listened to different podcasts. I've found different articles online and I just can't figure it out on my own. So they reach out to me and say, Hey, look, like I'm ready to invest in myself. Just like I invest in, in driveline. I invest thousands of dollars into driveline every year, every month. I'm ready to invest thousands of dollars every year, every month into the mental side of the game. And when, when they, when they get to that place and they're ready to do the work, then they actually experience real changes because now they're able to receive the highest level of information that they can when it comes to the mental side of hitting that actually gets them real results because the system has been proven over and over and over and over and over again with guys in 15 plus countries. And yeah. so to answer your question, it's simply the greatest advantage that you can have as a baseball player. The younger you are, oh my goodness, the better. Yeah, because most people my age, like you're like you're saying, it's just most people my age don't really look at that side. Cause when you look, for example, like you look at a guy like um We'll say we'll say Aaron Judge, right? We look yep. at Aaron Judge. Say a guy my age, he, you look at Aaron Judge and they're like, I want to be like him. And the first thing you think of when you see Aaron Judge is Jim. Yep. But <laughs> obviously, Aaron Judge, a part of the home runs and the great stuff that he's doing is the gym, but it's also the mental side. And yes. people don't look at that. So when they when they go, they work out, like, all right, now let's go hit a baseball. Let's go play baseball. And they're not good. It's because of that reason right there. And some kids, really some kids just don't understand that. And it took me a long time to understand how important it is. So really, and, and like you were saying, like people pay and do that where – you can do that to get the best of the best, but at my age now, you can just listen to this podcast. Instagram, exactly. Instagram, Instagram is the most like 
informational place where I learn a lot of my stuff. All my workouts. Yep. All everything baseball related is on my Instagram. So like if you just you don't even have to post on Instagram. Just make a separate Instagram, follow baseball accounts, scroll through that every day, and you'll be learning something. So that's it's just it's really good. It's really, really good that people are learning this and I hope a lot of people watch this episode and I think I think a lot of people will because I'm gonna make sure a lot of people do to get to know this side of it. So Yeah, this is important, man. This is really important. Any way I can help push it out too, let me know. Yeah. Well, uh, another one is some people might be listening to this podcast and now they're thinking, how how do I like make sure that I have a good mindset? How do I make sure that I don't like I have a bad? How do I know if I just have a bad mindset? How how can you make sure or know that you have a good mindset? When you have tools that have been proven to work over and over and over again, along with someone who can guide you along the way. Like we're talking about 26, 27 year olds who pay me $10,000 a month to meet with me and us document and plan out and map out how they're going to improve their mental game at the plate so that in return, they can achieve higher level results, higher level consistency, and you know a higher level of confidence. And then that circle just keeps on rolling. That momentum just keeps going. So um, I, I truly do believe that that's what it's about. It's about getting to a place where, um, where you know it's important because some people aren't like some people aren't aware that it's important yet. But when they do become aware that it's important, that's when you start to dive into those podcasts and dive into those articles, dive into those social media, um, those social media uh, pages. But then even the step further after that is saying, you know what? I'm ready to invest in a coach specifically someone who's an expert when it comes to the mental side of hitting as a hitter, someone who can guide me along the way and just show me the map and show me the blueprint of what exactly I need to do. Because I'm already like, I'm already a hard worker. I already outwork everybody. I already love to learn. I already love to listen to podcasts. I already love to, to, to improve myself. But the next step is always investing into yourself. Um, I remember the first time, you know, I invested into the mental side of the game. And it was when I got, when I got like those, those mental side of the game books. But at that time, there wasn't anything like the hitters black book out yet, or somebody who I could reach out to on the internet to say, Hey, I want to, I want you to coach me. How much does it cost? I mean, it's, it's easy to do that with hitting coaches and, and guys are going to show you the mechanics and you should, you should be investing there, but you should consider that if you were to invest the same amount of money that you invest if you if you were to invest the same amount of money into the mental side of hitting, like you invest into your mechanics or in a strength and conditioning coach, now you'd become the best version of yourself possible. You don't want to be just four dimensional. I mean, you don't want to just be like a one dimensional guy, a guy who's really, really strong or maybe a two dimensional guy, a guy who's really, really strong, really, really big, really, really fast. All the tools, great mechanics, but the mental side of the game isn't there. Like the mental side of the game is what gets you to the next level. And it's what allows you to stay at the next level. And then it allows you to become the best at that current level. Like when you think about all of the, all of the best hitters in the game right now, and you watch and you study their interviews, the thing, the things that they're always talking about come back and point to the mental side of the game. Like, Oh man, I was just focusing on staying calm, loose and relaxed. Hey, it's the ninth inning. Uh, and, and it was it was a tie game and you hit a you hit a you hit a walk off home run. What were you thinking about? I was just focusing on having a quality at bat. I was just focusing on being calm, loose and relaxed. I was just focusing on seeing the baseball. Those are all things that are key to mastering the mental side of the game. The, the problem is, is that when we watch those interviews, we don't know all of the work that they're doing behind the scenes. So the earlier you can jump on this. The earlier you can jump on the mental side of hitting, the earlier you can jump on the mental side of the game in general, the better off you'll be for the longevity of your career. Yeah, I agree. And then I, you didn't mention it, but like some guys, you got to just to have like a good mental side. It's just have fun. You can't you can't just play the game and not have fun. Yes. And some of the, the younger guys are really showing it this like in the past 
past uh, couple years is like, look at guys like Fernando Tatis. That guy's just having fun. He has no cares in the world. He's going out there. He's working and he's getting it. He's shining. The guy, yep. the guy's breaking rules. <laughs> he's breaking rules, <laughs> having fun, and just it's just and he's one of the best to play the game right now. So it's like yep. it's just sometimes you just gotta have fun, and that's that's a that's what I do. I have fun when I'm playing because if you don't have fun, why play it? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> man. Like this is a game that we love. This is a game we want to uh, we want to be able to create memories with. The relationships that we build are gonna last forever here. So just like you said, man, have fun. Have fun along the process. One of the yeah. one of the craziest, most awesome things that I've learned. Uh, I remember one of my one of my coaches telling me when I played. He said, "Diamond, you focus on the you focus on the outcome so much, but I'll have you consider that if you just started focusing on enjoying the process of getting to those outcomes that you're reaching for, the game would be so much more fun, It'd be so much more loose, it'd be so much more relaxed." And you'd be able to experience the best version of yourself as you get to the next level. So I can't agree with you more, man. Have yeah. fun. Have fun. Yeah, it was like in the, one of the podcasts, I think it was on a, somebody else's. And he asked me, like, what would you give? Like, what advice would you give for kids? Because he coaches like an 11U. So I was like, yeah. just the biggest one was just have fun. Because... There was times in Little League where you want to, if you're the best in Little League, you obviously want to have fun and and you want to be the best. You don't want to get overtaken or whatever. And, you know, I was the big kid. I was the kid that would hit the home runs. And I was just, it was fun, but it wasn't Little League. So what I, basically what during Little League is I just had to relax in my, actually, who my mom was the one that told me is she's like, she's like, listen, the college scouts and the MLB scouts and all them, they're not going to ask you what you did your 12 year old season or your 11 year old season. So like, just have fun now. So when high school comes, you can be serious and you can play the game to become a college baseball player. But right now they don't care about this stuff. <laughs> They just just have fun. So that was that's what I carry along with me now that I'm playing higher and higher. And I love it. I love it, Brian. Thanks. You're, you're yeah. impressed me every every second that we continue with this podcast, man. Be 14 and have the amount of knowledge and wisdom that you have. Um, you have a lot to give, man. I mean, I I gotta give thanks to everybody that's been on here because like I wouldn't be in this predicament or talking to you if I didn't have you know Instagram or even the following that I have. So yeah. and it's just good. Like we were saying, results keep you motivated. And the people that are watching this is just giving me crazy results and crazy views that I didn't know I was capable of. So mm. I'm just rolling with it and it's doing good. So and I'm on, I'm on like eight different platforms at this time. So it's good. It's good. But you're and crushing it. And then YouTube, YouTube has been big because I started doing like different, I did YouTube. I post all the podcasts on YouTube. So instead of just Apple podcasts, now it's because I did a lot of bat brands for a time because it seemed like people enjoyed them. Yeah. I didn't know you did that. Yeah. So I did a lot of bat brands. Like, like I, the last three podcasts that I posted were bat brands. Wow. And it was just because people, I mean, I don't know what it was, but the views were so much more on the bat brand. So I was like, all right, I'll keep hitting up these small guys. And they were seeing increase in following and in, I some even saw some sales. So I was like, okay, I'll keep doing this. And like, I met with guys like uh, Pete Tucci. And, and the great thing was I got to meet the owners too. So Ooh, that's and awesome. Then, Let's and go. One brand, one brand I'm doing like, one brand, mine, mine baseball. There, me and him are doing a bunch of stuff. He's actually, we started off, we just did a podcast, and then we went, we went a little bit further, and then I started going on his Instagram, and I he came on mine, and we did a little collaboration. He sent me a couple bats, and it was cool. But now, 
now we're doing because I just found out that we're doing like we're actually going into it this today um so i can say something about it that we're doing uh like we're there's a non-profit organization and um uh, for baseball where i'm from so he's flying down and we're gonna donate a bunch of bats it's gonna be the the new station it's it's good so this podcast has opened opened up so many opportunities for me and everybody's been watching it so it's fun beautiful man that is beautiful the work that you're doing at the age of 14 is is absolutely blowing my mind. And I know it's blowing other people's mind, man. I know I'm going to send this to so many different people so they can hear, so they can hear about you, your journey, and everything that you're doing, man. You're doing some incredible work. Thank you. It's 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 just fun, honestly. I like I know people are like, and and you know the hardest part was was trying to figure out people that would actually be like, oh, you know what? I'll go on the podcast because. I'm not gonna lie, I was not thinking I was gonna have people like baseballism. Like, I've had Axbat on here. I've had, you know, one guy from the place that I admire the most, the Fenway. I had a guy from the Red Sox on here. I've had mm. coaches. So it's like, it's, I didn't expect any of this. So it's kind of, it's really nice that it's all falling together. So, dude, it's, this is awesome, man. This is so. This is so awesome to hear your story right now. Yeah, it's and then, I mean, last last week it was just it was a vacation week, so I didn't really post. I posted one, but then that one got like tw- like twenty something views on like four different places, so it did good. So, Congrats! Um, Let's go. <laughs> so I think I'm gonna start posting one times a week because people seem to watch it and. I think I was doing three times a week for like four weeks. And I think that was a little much. So now I'm cutting it down a little bit. So it'll be one time a week for now on. And this will probably be this week's episode. So I'm excited for it. So we'll go back on track. I got like two more questions and then we're good. And it's a long one. I like it. Um, Question for you is how did you get like, what inspired you to go? into the mental side of baseball? So I was 14. I was a football player. All right. I was a running back. And I'm not sure if anyone who's listening right now has ever played the game of football or or not, but I remember diving headfirst for a loose fumble and this like loud cracking noise like taking place, which was the helmet to helmet smash between me and this other guy on the other team who were diving for this loose fumble. And so I find myself like staring at the ceiling, staring at the sky. And I'm telling myself to get up. And my teammates are like standing around me saying, hey, D, get up, get up get up and I'm continuously telling myself to get up but I couldn't move and at that moment I recognized and I figured it out it's like oh shit I'm paralyzed right now I'm telling my hands to move and they're not moving and that was one of the most devastating times in my life because I'd put so many hours into the game of football into becoming the best version of myself that I could possibly be. So I could get, get to the NFL, make a lot of money, take care of my family. Everything would be perfect. But while I was laying and staring at the sky, I was like, Oh man, like I can't get up right now. So a few hours went by, finally started getting my feeling back got incredibly lucky. But those few hours were the scariest hours of my life because I thought I was going to be paralyzed for the rest of my life. So once I started getting that that feeling back, it was like, okay, I'm good now. Um, So obviously I had to go to the doctor, get an MRI and I got that MRI. I went with my mom and I remember the doctor coming in and saying, all right, Diamond, I got some good news and I got some bad news. 
Which one do you want first? So I'll take the good news first. What's the good news? He says, the good news is that you're walking and you're here and you're moving. So the bad news is that you have congenital stenosis. I said, well, what's congenital stenosis? He said, you have narrowing of fluid in your spine at the C6 and C7. And the amount of narrowing of fluid that you have won't allow me to release you to play the game of football ever again. And so it was just one of those sinking moments. Again, like what? Like this is what I've been doing my whole life. How can you sit here and tell me, doc, that I can't play the game of football anymore? Like I'm supposed to be like, I've got scouts coming to my game. I've got college scouts coming to my game wanting me to come to their college and give me scholarships so that I can then get there and then succeed there and then get to the NFL and then get paid and be able to take care of my family. You can't sit here and you can't tell me that I can't play the game of football anymore. You can't do that. You can't do that to me right now. And so after I calmed down a little bit, I recognized that I didn't like that was like that was over. That part of my life was over. So I stepped inside of the game of basketball, which I had also been playing my whole life. And a similar situation happened to where I, I, I drove in the lane. I went head first. Somebody tripped me up and I hit the top of my head on somebody else's chest and I was temporarily paralyzed again. This is when I was 15. And so now I didn't have football, I didn't have basketball, and there was only one sport left for me to play, and it was baseball. Now, when I played football, when I played basketball, when I ran track my whole life, like those things are easy. Like you, you show up, you put in the hours, you put in quality reps, and everything's going to take care of itself from there. Now, with baseball, you and I both know that it's a different game. Like you can be the most athletic guy on the field. You can have all the tools. You can have all the mechanics. You can put in more hours than everyone else, which is what I was actually doing. And you can still not see results. So after I lost basketball, after I lost, lost football, dove into the game of baseball. I was like, all right, I'm going to pick baseball up. I'm going to become the best version of me I can possibly become because I've still got to figure out a way to get to the league, even if the league now is the MLB instead of the NFL or the NBA. So I found myself putting all of these hours in. I was going by the 10,000 hour rule that they, that they talk about in the Outliers Liars book. Showing up earlier than everybody, putting in more hours in the gym, more hours in the weight room, more hours in the cage. And I still wasn't getting the results that everybody else was getting who had been playing their whole lives. And luckily one of my teammates I remember this. It was the summer I was playing for the Dayton Classics. And I think we were playing against like Midland. And after that game, I had like a really bad game. And sometimes I was like on and I was off. I was on and I was off. I was on and I was off. And I remember him walking up to me after the game and he was like, dude, this is, this is a book that my grandpa um, showed me and got me and kind of made me go through. And it's absolutely changed my game. If you use this and if you go through this, it's going to change your life. It's going to change the way you play. It's going to change the level that you can get to. I was like, a book? Dude, a book? Like, a, what is a book going to do? And this is me coming from a football mentality and a basketball mentality. Like, no, if I put in the work, if I just show up and I put in the reps, then I'm going to be great. Baseball is different. So I finally, two weeks passed by. And I still hadn't looked at the book. And he came back to me and said, Diamond, have you looked at the book yet? I said, no. I was like, Ryan, I'm going to do it for you. His name is Ryan Barnett. And I'll never forget this. One of my best teammates. He said, dude, go through this book. This is going to help you. This is going to allow you to become more consistent. It's going to allow you to become more confident. You'll know exactly what you need to focus on so that you can become the best version of Diamond Hall that you can possibly be. So I finally read through that book. And the book was called Heads Up Baseball by Dr. Ken Revisa and by Dr. Tom Hansen. I'm 15 years old. And at this time, like, I had never... <laughs> Like the books that I had, uh, the books that we had been issued in school, like I was, I would kind of dive into those, but not really. I mean, you know, you know how it kind of goes. But this was like the first book that I'd read from cover to cover. And after I read this, it absolutely changed my game. I finally understood what it meant 
to have a pregame routine, an in-game routine, a post-game routine. I finally understood what it meant to dive into visualization. I finally understood what it meant to become a better leader, to develop myself consistently so that I can not only become the best version of myself, but also then share the keys and the tools and the principles that I'd learned to my teammates so that we could become a better team. And so a few years go by, I finally get a scholarship to, I get a scholarship to Lincoln Trail. Head coach there, his name is Kevin Bowers. And <laughs> I remember doing really, really well there. Sometimes I struggled, sometimes I did really freaking well. And I remember going in his office one day and he had this book, this really thick, thick book. It was called The Mental ABCs by Dr. Harvey Dorfman. Like, this is my second time coming across the book. I was like, coach, what is that on your desk? Can I, can I use that? Can I go through that? And so I remember reading that from cover to cover in Juco. I was 18 at this time. And it was crazy because like everything that was in there was like the key, like those were the keys. And they had all of these uh, they had all of these references to like all of these MLB hitters and all these MLB pitchers inside of the book where they were actually quoting themselves saying, hey, like the mental side of the game is the key. Hey, the mental side of the game is the key. The mental side of the game is the key. The reason why I'm successful is because of the mental side of the game. The reason why I'm successful is because of the mental side of the game. And so it was absolutely mind blowing because this was the second time I had come across something like this. Now, two years go by. I keep implementing everything that I learned with the mental side of the game. Then I get to Grambling State University, a division one in Louisiana. Found myself playing against Arkansas Ole Miss, uh, going four for four on TV against University of New Orleans, playing against LSU, getting triples off of these guys who I never even imagined I'd be on the same field with. Playing against Alex Brigman, developed a cool relationship with him. We still talk to this day. And while I was there, I read this book from my mentor, who is the head guy with the Cleveland Indians. His name is Dr. Charlie Marr. And I read this book. I ordered it online. I read it. And at that time, I had just read Relentless by Tim Grover. And so for me, my mentality was just like you right now, um, right now, Brian, like you're reaching out to different people, even if you may feel like, oh, man, I don't know if this person's going to reach back out. You're still doing it. You're still taking that action. So what I did is I read this book by Dr. Charlie Moore and I reached out to him. I shot him an email. He left his email inside of the book. I said, hey, I've got some questions on what you have in your book and how I can incorporate these things within my game and then actually share these things with my team and then my coaching staff as well. Do you have time where we can jump on a phone call? And a few weeks go by, nothing. A few more weeks go by, I get a message back saying, Diamond, I have a slot open tomorrow at 3 p.m. Give me a call then. I said, okay. And that was the first actual mentor that I had gotten when it came to the mental side of the game. And so he would share with me these critical, critical keys that eventually got condensed down and are in the, hitter, hitter, are in the hitter's black book. And during that year, I was hitting like two, I was hitting, excuse me, not two, I was hitting 375. The first seven games I was hitting 375. I was on the board to get drafted in the 10th round, 250,000. Scouts all over the place in the stands from every organization that you can think of. Seventh game of the season, after I went four for four on TV, I tore my ACL. This is my junior season. Tore my ACL. And the biggest mistake that I made was this. So after I went and tore my ACL, I had to come back to Ohio and do surgery with a man by the name of Dr. Krimchak, who's with the Cincinnati Reds. Did surgery, did rehab, got bigger, faster, stronger. The number one mistake I made during that time period, during that six month time period was that I let up on everything that I had learned when it came to the mental side of hitting. So when I got back during my red shirt junior year, I ended up hitting 250 at the end of the year. Didn't produce at the level I was supposed to produce at. The scouts were still there. They still sent me questionnaires and they were still calling me saying, hey, this is all you've got to do for us to draft you. But I 
made the mistake, which I don't want anyone listening to this to ever make this mistake. I let up on the mental side of the game. I let my ego get in the way. I was like, you know what? I've worked on that stuff. I don't need to continue working on it. Like I've read so many different books on leadership, on the mental side of the game, on human performance, on peak performance. Like it's all just going to take care of itself. All I've got to do is stay focused in the weight room. All I've got to do is stay, stay focused on being a good leader to my teammates. All I've got to do is focus on my mechanics and I'll be good for the season. I'll just let everything take care of itself. That was the biggest mistake that I could have ever made. So I ended the season hitting 250. And then after I hit 250, I mean, obviously I didn't produce at the level that I was supposed to produce at. And this being my, what, red shirt junior year. So I get a call in the summer. I was playing in, um, I forget what league it was. It wasn't the Northwoods Summer League. I forget what league it was. But I get a call from my coaches at Grand League State saying, hey, like we're going to have to take your scholarship away. Um, we don't think that, you know, how you performed last year, it's not going to match up. We've got a, we've got a different direction that we're going to go in. So I had to figure it out in the middle of the summer. I'm in Virginia playing on a summer ball team. Now I have no school to go back to. So being who I am, I stayed resourceful. I started reaching out to different connections and finally came in contact with Georgia Southwestern State, the Division II in Georgia. And at first it was like, man, I don't want to go to a Division II. I'm a Division I guy. But I had to remember that no matter what level you play at in baseball, they will still find you if you're good. So I ended up getting a uh, getting a spot there, played there, and that is where my career ended. And after my career ended that year, I reached back out to someone who scouted me in high school, a man by the name of Jeff Mercer, who's currently the, the head coach at Indiana University. I reached out to him and I was like, hey, Merce, I think I can add some value to this team, to the squad, as far as the mental side of the game goes. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Can we make this happen? Because I remembered that in high school, when he was with Western Kentucky, like they were super focused on the mental side of the game. That's what made them one of the best hitting teams in the country. And he was the driver of that force. So I knew it would be a value add. So I get a message back a few weeks later. Hey, yeah, come to the field. Let's have a conversation. So we have a conversation and he was like, dude, let's do something that's never been done before. We're going to make you the mental conditioning development coordinator. This is going to be the first time in college baseball history this has been done as a full-time position. And your role is going to be very strategic, very specific. It's going to help us get the results that we want, which are three things. Getting our guys drafted, number one. Number two helping them to get a better education, become better student athletes. And then number three, helping us win a championship. So when he said it, and when he broke it down that way, I was like, okay, I'm in, let's do this. And so that year went really, really well, really, really well. We ended up being one of the top teams, one of the top hitting teams and one of the top pitching teams in the country took Stanford to 14 innings, toe to toe with them. And, the, and part of the reason was not the whole reason, but part of the reason was, is because we had done something that had never been done before. And I got an opportunity to create a curriculum from the ground up around the mental side of hitting and the mental side of pitching. And I got to deliver it to these guys, these raw, talented, relentless competitors who I've related to at such a deep level. Like I, I legitimately thought, um, and I remember like thinking just like them whenever I played. I mean, these guys were scrappy, football players, wrestlers. His recruiting model was incredible. But the results that we got that year were incredible. So I, while I was there, I had to recognize and I had to step back. And I had and this thing like started weighing on my shoulders and it started to really weigh heavy on my heart. And I started hearing this voice saying that, Diamond, like you've got to share this with the world. The results that you've gotten this year at Wright State, the results that your players have seen, the curriculum that you've built. You've got to share this with the world. There are billions of other baseball players out there who are dying to have this kind of information, who are yearning to have this kind of information that will get them the results that they desire. And so I felt that voice and I heard that voice for quite a while. And eventually, you know, I had a conversation with, uh, with the staff and I was like, you know, I'm going to step off staff and I'm going to create 
Um, I'm going to go online. I'm going to create an online business. I'm going to create a book. I'm going to create an online course that's going to walk hitters around the world through the steps that actually work and get results statistically when it comes to the mental side of the game. And so now everything's kind of running on its own. And that's what the basis of the company is, is to get the hitters black book in as many hitters hands as possible that we can, because we know the system works to get the mental game blueprint VIP, which is a four week training program into as many hitters hands as possible, because we know it's worked. It's a science and it's an art to it. And if you only know the art, then it's not as valuable. If you only know the science and it's not as valuable, you have to link both of those to be able to get the results that you want as a hitter. And so now that's that's what the hitter's black book is. And then that's what the four week online course is. And then of course, uh, you know, I work with MLB guys, NBA guys, um, guys who are in, in the PGA, like so many different high level athletes. And I teach them how to become the best versions of themselves through the mental side of the game, specifically, mostly hitters. Yeah. yeah, I was just listening. I was lost for a sec. I was like, just so focused. That, yeah, it's a crazy story, like you were saying. And it's just, it's like you, you were saying with the whole college thing. It's just so important to never, don't let up on what you're doing and just focus on getting that and succeeding is basically what you want to do. So, well, that was, that was great. I think a lot of people needed to hear that. Um, like, um, know your story. A lot of people know you better now. So, thank you for coming on. Actually, that's about all I have. So, I appreciate Brian, you thanks for having me, taking man. the time. Um, where can they find you on Instagram? So it's D I A M Y N Diamond Hall. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, um, YouTube um in clubhouse now that it's uh, a that, that, that's growing um yeah everywhere and just feel free to reach out ask questions if you have any and again brian i appreciate you having me man you're doing some incredible things inside of this space um, not only learning for yourself but then also being able to provide um provide you know information for other baseball players around the world who may not have heard the things that you're putting on these podcasts and the people who you're putting on these podcasts otherwise man so just want to congratulate you for the work that you've done and continue to empower you to just keep going man keep pushing and keep sharing uh these podcasts with the world man you're making a really big difference thank you i appreciate it i'm i'm just doing what i do what i enjoy and i'm doing pretty good at it so far so oh yeah well, oh again, yeah thank you Thank you guys for listening to episode 16. I know it was a long one. I really hope everybody sucked through this episode because this one is a very important episode. It was important to me and it was important to Diamond who did this episode. So I think everybody should listen to it full. Go on the There's no video version of this. There will be a video on YouTube, but it's just our Zoom call. So there's nothing um, of him. But if you want to go check him out, it's D-I-A-M-Y-N Hall on Instagram. Check him out. Sign to his DMs. Ask him questions of anything that you need to know. Um, reach out to him. Reach out to me if you have any questions. I really, really, really appreciate all the support. Hope you guys are enjoying this video. Comment who you guys want to see because, again, I need to know what you guys want. So let me know. Thank you guys for watching and listening to episode 16.